You're listening to a podcast from Victory. What does it mean to have faith to be delivered? Learn from the life of Jehoshaphat in week one of Dare to Believe. Today as we start this new series, Dare to Believe, we are basically, as Pastor Raina said, we are kicking off this year with prayer and fasting. You know, I realize that New Year's resolution never works, right? You write them and then you leave them behind, Okay. So, you know, we write faith goals. And my, my encouragement is write something that is beyond you. Write something that is really too difficult to accomplish that only God can accomplish. That is why this title is Dare to Believe. You know, we're believing God for the impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Amen? Tell the person beside you, nothing is impossible. Turn to the person to your left. Nothing is too difficult for God. I believe that all of us are probably, you know, in our, maybe in our plans, you know, we have expectations this year. Many of you are believing for breakthroughs, whether it's in the area of finances. How many of you are believing for greater finance? How many of you are believing for promotions? Please raise your hand. Come on now. How many of you are believing maybe for new businesses, for if you're a businessman, new open doors in your careers, right? If you're single, how many of you are believing for the one... Yeah, okay. Maybe 2016 is the year of the Lord's favor finally for us, for you who are single, right? It's not impossible. It may be impossible with you, but I believe, you know, if God's in the equation, God will be the one to move on your behalf. Amen. Students, how many of you are believing for resurrection from the dead for your grades? Come on now. Woo! <laughs> Breakthroughs. You know, maybe some of us have family members who are not yet saved and we're believing for salvation. It's not difficult for the Lord. You know, this year, definitely, as Pastor Raina said, this is the year of the Lord's favor. This is not the year of the monkey, okay? It's the year where we will declare God will move. And the reason why we've entitled this Dare to Believe is because it's really beyond us. We're not daring God to move on our behalf. We are actually daring and going out of our comfort zone in order for us to step out of the boat and break off our shell to really believe God for the impossible. You know, there are things that we plan that actually we can do, you know, without even thinking. You know, like for example, how many of you can just eat an ordinary dinner anytime? You can go to Jollibee. Do you have to pray for that? We just do it, right? But if you're believing for maybe something that's great or maybe, uh, you know, Lord, I'm believing for a vacation for my family this year, maybe in the U.S. I'm going to that might be impossible right now, but nothing is so difficult for the Lord. Amen. Maybe you're suffering from a certain type of sickness that's, you know, it may be debilitating or it may be crippling you. But, you know, I believe that God is Jehovah Rapha. He is our healer. Amen. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, He can move the mountains he can definitely move in our bodies. Amen. He can heal us. He can provide for our needs as well. He's Jehovah Jireh. If you are believing God, maybe you are believing God to be freed from debt. God can definitely prove Himself faithful and strong to all of us. Amen. And so, we're really talking about audacious faith. Everybody say audacious faith. Have you ever heard of the word audacious? It's kind of like, you know, gandana, audacious. Everybody say audacious. Tell the person beside you, audacious. Parang, wow, you're adding to your vocabulary right now. 
audacious or maybe audacity. You know, do we have the audacity to ask God, to believe God for greater things? And, you know, when you look at the word audacious, this is the theme for our entire five-week series for the January. You know, audacious is showing a willingness to take surprisingly bold risk, daring. Everybody say daring. How many of you are daring from time to time? Not daring with your clothes, okay? But daring, you know, taking the bold step, fearless, unflinching, courageous. Maybe some of you have heard of the word dauntless. How many of you remember the word dauntless? From the movie Divergent. To be dauntless is to be fearless, to be courageous, to step out of what you are used to and moving into a realm of the impossibility. And that is what audacious means. And how many of you have faith here? Please raise your hand. You have faith. Please raise your hand. Okay. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you're born again, you have to have faith. Amen. And when you talk about faith, faith is a complete trust or confidence in something or someone. In this particular case, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In what He did on the cross. And I believe that God wants us to grow in our faith. Everybody say, grow in our faith. You know, as we start this year, I believe many people will go back to the gym. You'll go back to exercise. How many of you plan to do that? Please raise your hand. Be honest. I'm raising up my hand, okay? I started, you know, before New Year. I started biking again. We go back to exercise. You go back to physical activity. And when you go to the gym, for those of you who are familiar with going to the gym, you know, when you lift weights, what you normally do is you start by lifting light weights first and doing maybe many reps with a certain number of sets, right? So if you're not used to lifting weights, don't go up and you know, try to lift 250 pounds for your you know, bicep curls. Can you, that will wreck you, okay? That will ruin your arm. But what you do is maybe you pick up a dumbbell. Now, I don't, I don't really know why they call it a dumbbell. But you pick up the dumbbell and then you, you know, maybe uh, start with five pounds and you, know, you do several reps. And then as you do that, you face the mirror and say, well, it's working. Yeah. And then you repeat that. Repeat the process. Do it several sets. And then after maybe a couple of days, what you do is, aside from 5 pounds, you increase the weight to now 10 pounds. Because 5 pounds is already light. What you're doing is, you know, you're actually training your muscles to lift a heavier weight. And that is the same with faith. When you talk about faith, at first, what you're doing is, you're just training yourself to maybe lift you know, little pounds, you know, believing God, Lord, I pray for a parking space, Lord, please. I pray, God, that, you know, there's a car that will actually go out. Oh, thank you, Lord, right? Or maybe, Lord, I pray for a space, you know, give us a table in our favorite restaurant, Lord. Lord, give us, you know, give us something that will actually, you know, provide for us, you know. And, you know, little faith, you know, a little dumble here. And then as your faith increases, you are now moving out of your comfort zone and later on, you find yourself laying hands on people who have cancer. Whoa, how many of you have actually seen people getting healed of cancer? Wow, how many of you would like to be one of the first to see you lay hands on a sick and they will be healed from cancer? Amen. It's really moving out, stepping beyond the comfort zone. I believe God wants us to go and really step out. And I believe that all of us have a certain level of faith. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
Because we who go to God must believe that He exists and that He is a rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek Him. Now, if you look at the definition of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in the New King James Version, it says, Now faith, everybody say, now faith, now faith. is. You know, when you look at this word is, what is is? It's, a pres- it's in the present tense, right? It doesn't say, now faith was. Faith is always in the present tense. Faith is always in the now. And I believe that when you have faith, you don't depend on your faith in the past. You have faith today. How many of you have faith today? Amen. Now, the good thing about faith is, yes, it's in the now, but it's always connected to tomorrow. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And when you talk about hope, hope is always in the future. How many of you have hope in the past? The reason why we have hope is we're hoping for the best in the future. How many of you are hoping for the best year ever in 2016? You know, that's for the future. It's about things that have not come yet, but you're believing for the best for those things. Okay, And then the, the next uh, part is the evidence of things not seen. You know, the world will always say, to see is to believe. Before I believe that, I have to see it first with my own eyes. But that is the total opposite of what the Bible is saying. When you talk about moving in the realm of faith, the Bible says, the righteous shall live by faith. We move by faith and not by sight. You know, many times, even if it doesn't make sense, even if you don't see it with your own five senses, a sense of sight, smell, feel, uh, whatever, okay? Taste, okay? Even if you don't see it yet, you believe it. It's there. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. It's as if that you're feeling it already. You're holding it already. It's tangible already. You know, if, believe, if you're believing for, you know, uh, you know, maybe you're believing for a provision, okay? Yes, you're, you're not wavering in doubt and unbelief. You know, when, Ad, when, when Abraham and Sarah was, uh, were promised to have a son, you know, the Bible says in, in Romans that Abraham faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. You know, because he was old. Can you imagine? Abraham was almost a hundred. How many of you are almost a hundred? Can you please raise your hand? Anybody here? He was almost a hundred and Sarah was about ninety. And yet Sarah became pregnant. Have you ever seen a ninety-year-old? with a baby. How many of you know that requires faith? And God was the one who promised, by this time next year, you're going to have a son. And the Bible says, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, yet he did not waver in unbelief. He had faith to believe that by this time next year, I'm going to be holding my son. That is what faith is all about. Another version of uh, Hebrews 11.1 says, in the ESV, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And in the NIV, it says, Now faith, can we read this out all together? One, two, three. Now faith is the sh- being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That is what faith is all about. There's a surety. There's a sureness that you have. 
there's a certainty that it will come. It will happen. It's not because of what you can do. It's because of the promise of God. And so we're going to be journeying in these next five weeks about faith. Different characters in the Old Testament on how they face a particular crisis, a particular difficulty. And how many of you have gone through some crisis in your life? Difficulties. Good thing about crisis and difficulties is they don't last long. They're temporary. Storms are inevitable, but they don't last long. You know, if you live in the Philippines for a while, we know that storms normally pass through these islands, right? You know, maybe last year we had about maybe 30 plus storms. How many of you know that this year we're going to have storms again? It's a reality of life. But yet, we don't lose hope and we don't get shaken because we believe that God will deliver us through the storms of life. So today we're going to be looking at the story of Jehoshaphat. He's one of the kings in the Old Testament, the king of Judah. He's not really fat, but his, uh, his name is Jehoshaphat. Okay? And uh, he's one of the good kings. We're going to talk about him today. Next week, we're going to be looking at the story of Joshua. How many of you are familiar with Joshua? Joshua was a commander who took over Moses. He led the people into the promised land. It's an amazing story how he declared, uh, you know, the sun stands still over the nation of, uh, of, of Israel as they were fighting a battle. And it's a mighty victory that day. The week after, the third week, we're going to be talking about Caleb. Everybody say Caleb. Caleb is an old man who actually in his old age was able to inherit the promise that God gave him. And he was one of the two spies that went into the promised land together with Joshua. They were the only ones who lived out of that old generation who passed away in the desert. In fact, Caleb was about 85 years old, and he was declaring, I am now 85 years old, and I am as strong today as when I was 40, when I went into the promised land. And I believe that God is never too late to give us a promise. Amen. Amen. And that's the way God is. And then fourth week, we're going to be looking at women in the Old Testament by the names of the Zelophehad's daughters. How many of you have heard of those sto- the story? Zelophehad's daughter. Everybody say Zelophehad's daughters. Yeah, so we're going to look at that on the fourth week. And on the fifth week, we're going to be looking at uh, the mighty men of David, how they served a mighty king. And I believe that each one of them are, you know, uh, really should be receiving uh, a reward in the Hall of Faith. So why don't we all stand up today? We're going to be reading from our text, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 12. This is still in the Old Testament. Let's read from verse 1 to 12, chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, not Minyonites, okay? Meunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, for from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is Engedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, 
drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. Verse 11, Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word this afternoon. May you anoint, illuminate uh, this word. I thank you, God, that, uh, Lord, every word that will come out from your mouth today will fulfill its goal and the purpose for which it was sent. None of them will fall to the ground, but everyone, Lord God, will be blessed. I thank you, Lord God, that your grace is upon your people even today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would increase our faith. Lord, to believe for the impossible, knowing that you are a God who is faithful, a God who is powerful, a God who is capable. And so, Lord, even today we ask for your wisdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You would guide us and teach us your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. All right, just to give us a short background of the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a good king. I was a good king. He was a good king, but he was not a perfect king. How many of you know that there are kings who are good, but they're not perfect? You know, we have leaders who are not perfect, right? But yet God can still use leaders. And so, Jehoshaphat, if you will find maybe a couple of chapters before this chapter 20, in in chapter 19, it says he instituted reforms in the nation of Judah. Now, the nation of Israel, for those of you who are familiar or maybe not familiar, they were divided into two parts, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, right after Solomon, when he passed away, his son Rehoboam uh, basically uh, did not really follow the advice of the elders. And so it split the kingdom into northern, being led by Jeroboam, ten tribes, and southern, led by Rehoboam, two tribes. Okay? And this is where Judah is located, and this is where Jerusalem is located. Now fast forward many years, we find ourselves with King uh, Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was the son of King Asa, who was also a good king. The only fault of Jehoshaphat, or maybe one of few faults, okay? He also uh, made an alliance later on in his life. But before this, what he did was he actually allied himself with King Ahab. Now, how many of you are familiar with King Ahab? King Ahab is the husband of Queen Jezebel. Now, how many of you are familiar with Jezebel? He is, she is not the mermaid, but I want to clarify that, okay? You know, some of you, when you hear the word Jezebel, ah, the mermaid, okay, Jezebel. I'm not talking about Jezebel, the mermaid, okay, that you see on television, okay? The real Queen Jezebel was an evil queen. She was married to Ahab, and Ahab was the king of Israel, and Queen Jezebel was trying to control the kingdom. She introduced idolatry to the king uh, and, you know, the, the whole... 
kingdom of Israel. And so, King Ahab was kind of like the original under desire. He was afraid of his wife. Now, how many men do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. How many husbands or husbands do we have? In, please, please raise your right hand, okay? You know, the Bible says, the husband is the head of the household. And everybody say, you're not convinced, okay? <laughs> you know, the husbands are the leader of the home, not to lord it over them, but to lead their wife in love, okay? Once again, it was the Bible, it's the Bible that says, the husband is the head. Okay, now how many head of household do we have here again? Please raise your hand. All right, okay. Now, wives, do you agree with me on that, that the husband is the head? Maybe some wives will say, yeah, I believe my husband is the head, but I am the neck that turns the head left and right. Whatever it is, okay? Anyway, that's another story there altogether. But if you look at Ahab and Jezebel, they have their own issues and story. But anyway, Jehoshaphat allied himself with King Ahab, first by marrying one of his daughters and eventually going out to war you know, together with him. He almost lost his life. King Jehoshaphat almost lost his life. But in that particular battle, King Ahab, unfortunately died because of a random arrow that hit his ribs or his chest, okay? So, we know that in this particular story that we've read, there are three mighty nations that are now coming against the southern kingdom. The Ammonites, everybody say Ammonites. Moabites, everybody say Moabites. And Mayunites. Okay, Mayunites, Mayunites, Mayunites. <laughs> now, the Moabites and the Ammonites were descendants of Lot, the nephew of Abraham. Remember Lot? They were the one who was stuck in Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember that? When they left Sodom and Gomorrah, the wife looked back and became what? A pillar of salt, right? Naging magaasin, parang ganon, yeah? And then the, the two daughters of Lot said, we may not have descendants, so why don't we sleep with our father? And so both of them, you know, basically slept with Lot by, I think, giving him wine and he was drunk and, you know, uh, they got pregnant. And that's where the, um, the Moabites and the Ammonites came. Okay, that's the history of the, the enemies of, of Israel at this point. Now, three mighty armies. And here we have Jehoshaphat, who was really desperate. Now, if you are facing a mighty enemy, won't you be desperate as well? Maybe you're facing a big mountain of debt, or maybe a mountain of sickness, or a mountain of problem in your household, or maybe you are facing with a mountain of problem with your teachers who's you know, giving you bad report or bad grade, or maybe you're facing a mountain of uh, maybe a bad boss. How many of you have that mountain? How you wish, Lord, don't put that in your prayer request, please, during the prayer and fasting. Okay? Pray for their salvation. But anyway, we face mountains. We face crisis. When you go back to audacious faith, audacious faith is a daring and a fearless trust in God and His Word. You can never separate 
faith from the Word of God. The Word of God should always be there. That's why I encourage you, you know, start this year really by reading God's Word. How many of you have a Bible? Please raise your hand. How many of you have a Bible? Please raise your hand. How many of you read your Bible regularly? Yun, good. Uh, Pastor, I read my Bible regularly, once a year. It's very regular. <laughs> Every day, okay? You know, let me encourage you. Read that Bible as if your life depends on it. Because it does. How many of you eat three times a day? You eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, midnight snack, five times, six times a day? We feed our bodies. We take care of our bodies. But what about our spirit? We need to feed our spiritual man. And the Bible, is uh, the Word of God, is the food for our spirit. And, you know, we cannot have faith. The Bible says faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. If you want to ask faith, if you want to believe God for greater things, if you want to move out and, and move in the realm of the impossibility, it's difficult for you to do that if you don't have the Word of God inside your heart. Amen? Turn to the person beside you and tell that person, read your Bible every day. <laughs> read it every day. Don't just put it on a table. Don't let it collect dust. Because audacious faith really depends on us filling our heart with the Word of God. Now, when you talk about crisis, crisis is a way of revealing what is inside of us. Many people panic when they go through a crisis. Some people give up when they go through a crisis. Some people waver in unbelief when they go through a crisis. Some people complain and grumble when they go through a crisis. Some people simply give up on life when they go through a crisis. Or some people draw near to God when they go through a crisis. In this particular case, Jehoshaphat in verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was what? How many of you sometimes get scared? It's normal. I get scared from time to time. Okay? But we don't remain that way the whole time. The initial response was, yeah, he got scared, but he set his face to do what? To seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. That's why we're proclaiming a fast. Not just because we're afraid, but because we want to seek the Lord. We want to hear God. We want Him to be clear in His direction for us for the whole year. Amen. And so, we are not to be afraid. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 12, King Jehoshaphat even declared, For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. How many of you can relate? Many times you don't know what to do. Right? But our eyes are on you. Let your eyes be on the Lord. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. And, you know, the contrast of King Jehoshaphat with his dad was King Asa did not fully trust in the Lord. He actually hired another uh, army to defeat uh, the enemies of the land. Okay? And you will find that in Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. In fact, he took some of the treasures of the temple and used that to pay uh, you know, uh, an entire army in order for this army to fight with him, to go to battle with him. You can actually just take note of that particular scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. But let's focus on audacious faith. What does an audacious faith do? Three things. Number one, an audacious faith relies on God's promises. Can we read this out loud? Ready? One, two, three. Audacious faith 
relies on God's promises. And I believe that all of us have received the promise from God. And where do you find the promise of God? From the newspaper? From Facebook? No! You find the promise of God from His book, from the Bible. And that's why I encourage you, read the Bible. Know the promise of God. There are 8,000 promises from the Scripture that we can actually claim every day, okay? according to one theologian. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 9 to 12. This was, once again, Jehoshaphat declaring, you know, uh, reminding the people of the promise of God. If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will what? Hear and save. He was making a declaration, Lord, you know, this represents you. And if we go through war, please save us. And he was reminding, you know, how, how many of you know that you don't need to remind God because God never forgets? But he was actually reminding himself and the people about the promise of God that he will be faithful to them. In verse 10, it says, And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let invade. We've read that. They are now rewarding us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. This land where they're standing was their inheritance from the Lord. And how many of you know when God gives you something, He will not take it away from you? He is not an Indian giver, right? But we've got to fight for our inheritance. Amen. And this is exactly what they were asking. Lord, you gave us this land. We're going to fight for it. Move on our behalf. In verse 12, O oh, our God, we do not, uh, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Then a prophet of God came and made a declaration on what they should do as a nation. In verse 15, this prophet named Jehaziel, okay, Jehaziel said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. So he was addressing the king. And he was addressing everybody. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Tell the person beside you, do not be afraid. In verse 3, we've read, Jehoshaphat was scared. Jehoshaphat was afraid. The prophetic word says, do not be afraid. You know, there are 365 fear nots or verse, do not be afraid in the Bible. One verse good for every day of the year. To remind us that we should fear not what we are about to face. Amen. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. And the next verse says, And do not be dismayed at this great horde. For what? The battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. This is not our battle. Ultimately, this is the Lord's battle. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. This is God fighting our battle. All we need to do is to trust, believe, and obey. Okay, the prophet came and he said, Do not be afraid. Once again, say, Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the battle is not yours, but God. So if you hear that word, what do you do? Wow. You can have confidence, right? Will you just go back home and say, Wow, chillax tayo, just wait. The prophet said, Wow, this is not our battle, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that this is your battle, not ours. But yet in verse 16, the next verse says, Tomorrow, everybody say tomorrow. Go down against him. I thought, Lord, sabi mo, hindi kami battle to. And now we're going out. And now you're saying, go out against them. 
Isn't that confusing? I thought this is not my battle. Why am I supposed to go out? You know, if God says to, to you something, one of the proof of faith is we obey God no matter what. And it's not because God will let us fight this battle, but it's just us reporting for duty because we don't want to lose by default. Ultimately, when God gives us a word, a prophetic word, a promise, we've got to be keen on the details of that promise. And the prophet said, yes, this is not your battle. This is the Lord's battle, but here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow, go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Zis. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. But what will they do? Stand firm. Hold your position. And see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. You know, if we receive that word, how many of you will be encouraged with that word? We know that God will never leave us nor forsake us. You know, tomorrow when you go back, how many of you are excited to go back to your office tomorrow? How many of you wish you have a longer vacation? Yes, okay. But anyway, the reality is all of us are going back to work. We will face new giants. We will face new crises. We will face new challenges. But yet, we will declare, tomorrow, go out against them because the Lord will be with us. Amen. This is not your battle. This is the Lord's battle. He will provide victory for us. Amen. All we've got to do is just stand firm. Hold your position. And say, God, no matter what happens, I am not going to compromise. I'm going to stand up for what is right. You may be the only Christian in your office, but yet, you know, the people around you are saying, why don't you compromise? Why don't you drink? Why don't you sleep with people? You know, why, you know, why are you staying as a virgin? Hold your position. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord your God. Fight for the standards of God. And He will move on your behalf. It's difficult, yes. It's hard. It's counterculture. We're going against the flow. It's kind of like the salmon going upstream. That's how we are as Christians. And it's not popular. You know, sometimes you would actually declare, you know, I want to stand up for what is right. I want to do what's right. I'm going to pay my taxes. I'm not going to, you know, cheat on my whatever, on my account. I'm not going to do under-the-table deals as a salesman. Hello? How many of you know that sometimes it's difficult to do that? Because everybody else is doing it and we're not doing it. If you work, for example, in a, I don't know, in a, a BPO, you know, it's, you know if, if it's normal for people to go out and you know, sleep uh, with, with people who are not their wife, you who are a Christian ought to stand up for what is right. Take your position and stand firm. It's not about what's popular. It's about what's right. It's about the name of the Lord our God. It's about His name. It's about our integrity. It's about representing Him. This is not our battle. This is the Lord's battle. He's fighting on our behalf. It may be a sickness 
that you're dealing with. It may be a financial crisis that you're dealing with. Don't take shortcuts. Go to the high road and believe God, Lord, I will not compromise. I will not cheat on my taxes. So on and so forth. We've read this, Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You know, every promise of the Lord that is given to us, you've got to hear it straight from the, word, from the mouth of God. I said also, uh, 8,000 promises in the Bible. In Numbers chapter 23, it says, God is not man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and he will, he, will he not fulfill it? You know, when God gives us a promise, he will be faithful to fulfill that promise. Amen. The promise giver is a promise keeper. Amen. That's who our God is. You know, several weeks ago, before Christmas, my two young girls, Anna and Andrea, were asking for a penny board from me. And I said to them, why don't you pray? And they said, why don't you just give it to us? <laughs> I said, I want you to pray. <laughs> don't look to me as your provider. You know, God is your provider. So they were praying. They are asking the Lord. And so anyway, uh, last Christmas Eve, their Ate Bea came home with a big box that, they, that she actually wrapped. And they were not aware what's inside that box. So they were just waiting and waiting and waiting. So anyway, this, I, I want to show you a very short clip on their response and their reaction to, you know, I didn't really give them a problem. I said, God will be faithful to provide if you ask Him. Don't look to me. I am not your provider. So... I got it already, okay? But anyway, the whole point is they believe God, they prayed for it, they got what they wanted. Amen. Look at the response. The response is really that of exuberant joy and exuberant praise. And that's really part of audacious faith. The second point is this. Audacious faith responds with praise. Amen. You know, you don't start off by complaining. You know, you're going through a crisis and you're complaining. You know, actually, even before the answer of God comes, you actually need to worship and praise God already. Amen. In, uh, in verse 18, it says, Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord. What did they do? Worshipping the Lord. In verse 19, And the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites, if your name is Korah, you have a tribe, Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with what? A very loud voice. That's why as we come here to begin the service, the praise and worship part is not a prelude to the preaching. This is very important. Because during praise and worship, what we're doing is we're doing warfare. As you sing songs and declaring you know, the, the praises of God, the Bible says God inhabits in the praises of His people and He moves on our behalf. Amen. That's why don't be late during the praise and worship. Tell the person beside you, don't be late. Okay? It is important. And you don't just praise God after the answer to your prayer. They prayed before the deliverance came. And Jehoshaphat prayed. The Jehoshaphat praised and they, and they, and they worshipped. 
And the Bible says in verse 20, And they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Israel, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophet, and you will succeed. And he had taken counsel with the people. He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for a steadfast love endures forever. Never did they take a census. Okay, kaya ba natin to? You know, what's your armament? You know, what's your, you know, what's our weapons? You know, they did not count the fighting men. They didn't count the weapons. What they did was in order for them to believe for victory, they just praised and worshiped the Lord. Amen. They didn't take stock of their fighting men. And I believe that all of us have some application as well. If you're going through crisis, praise and worship God. Even before the answer to your prayer, when we are facing a tough week ahead, the reason why we start off the week on a Sunday worshiping the Lord, it's not so that we can thank God for the previous victory. It's declaring that we have victory in the coming week. Amen. Worship is what sets the pace for God to usher us in the victory that He has for us. Amen. Come on out. When worship becomes our lifestyle, we see this great result. The battle is not ours, but the Lord's. And guess what? He never lost anyone yet. Because every battle is fought, He wins. Amen. And God says, He will fight for us. This is not your battle. Come on now. Come on, give the Lord praise. This is not your battle. This is the Lord's battle. Every battle that He has, audacious faith releases God's power. They didn't wait before the power was released. They didn't wait before the deliverance came about. They praised they worshipped, they thanked the Lord, they declared the faithfulness of God, and then God moved. In verse 22, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord did what? Set an ambush against the men of Ammon, or Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. In verse 23, it's interesting what happened. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir. In other words, they started fighting one another. The enemies of Judah started fighting each other, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. Amen. They did, the people of God did not even lift a finger to win this war. It was God who moved on their behalf. Amen. Come on now. That's how God moves. Put your trust in the Lord. Have an audacious faith. Believe God. We read earlier, you will not need to fight this battle. What do you do? Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. The same was told to Moses when they were waiting for deliverance against the Egyptians coming to them. Exodus 40, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent because many times what comes out of our mouth is complaint and fear and worry. So God is saying, shut up. (laughs) Don't complain and see the deliverance that I have for us. Amen. You know, after relying on God's promises, verse 6, they prayed, verse 7 to 12, they heard the prophetic word in verse 15 to 17. They responded how? In praise. And God's power was manifested in verse 22 and 23. Amen. That is the pattern that we need to live by every day. Amen. 
Come on, give the Lord praise. I'd like to ask the music team to join me here. A couple more verses before we go. You know, God, after defeating the enemy, it's interesting what happened to them. Verse 24, when Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. Three mighty nations, three armies who went against them. None had escaped. But wait, there's more. Verse 25, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers, goods, clothing, and precious things. It's like Christmas, okay? Anyway, which they took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days. Everybody say three days. Three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. You know, that's how God moves. He not only delivers us, but He does not leave us empty-handed. Amen. He fills us with His good things. Amen. That's the way God is. Don't go ahead of God. When He delivers, He also provides. My main point as we close, audacious faith in, God's, in God and His Word makes the impossible possible. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Amen. Come on now. Give the Lord praise once again. Can we just bow our heads and ask the Lord, you know, if you are facing some maybe situations in your life in this new year, maybe you're believing for a breakthrough in some area in your life that is really beyond you. We need God. What we're asking today is God give us audacious faith. Help us to step out in faith and believe for the impossible. Help us not to cower down in unbelief. But help us to believe and to see the deliverance of God in our situation. If that is you, and you're believing for a breakthrough in any area of your life, maybe in finance, relationship, it may be a health issue, it may be peace, it may be a problem with your work, your studies, whatever it is, I want you to lift up your hand right now. That's probably most of us, it's not all of us. We are believing God. I'm also raising up my hand right now. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, there are things that I am believing God for this year that is way beyond my ability to comprehend. Father, you see these hands. And even as Jehoshaphat has said, many times you do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Though we declare, even today, that we will fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He who conquered the cross, He conquered the grave, He defeated all the enemies of our soul. I thank You, Lord, that if God did not spare His own Son but gave, his, gave Him up for us, how much more will He not give us all things? And so, Lord, even today we ask that You would first meet us at our point of need. Lord, I pray, God, that You would increase our faith. Can You just declare just... Uh, on your own, Lord, increase my faith. Just utter those, uh, that statement. Increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. And we need a fresh dose of faith every day. Father God, I pray God that you would increase 
the faith of your people even today. I pray, God, for a breakthrough in every area of our life. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare, God, that the battle is not ours. It is the Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord God. We declare today, let God arise. Let His enemies be scattered, Lord God. And we thank you that victory is at hand because we put our trust in you. Father God, we pray, God, for... Lord, we declare salvation upon our loved ones in the name of Jesus. We declare healing upon our sick bodies in the name of Jesus. We declare provision upon our finances, breakthrough in our careers, breakthrough in our relationships, breakthrough in our schools, Lord God. Breakthrough, Lord God, in our marriages with our kids, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, that as we put our trust in you, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. With man, this may be impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. Thank you, Lord. May you be glorified on how your people respond. And while we're waiting, God, we will just respond in praise. We will respond in worship. We will thank the Lord. We will declare great is your love for us and your faithfulness. It is enduring through all generations. Thank you, Lord God. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.